0: Well, hello, all things Montessori community. I hope everybody is having a fantastic February, whether you're in a warm climate, cold climate, medium climate. I hope everything is going well, that school is going well If you're teaching, that your children are doing well. If you're a parent or if you're just interested in learning about Montessori, I hope you're having a great day. I'm so excited about who I have on the podcast today. We are delving into the world of homeschooling, which I'm going to be honest, I don't know anything about. So this was super informative for me, learning about an area of Montessori and education that I don't know anything about. So on the podcast today, I have Chelsea Roberts. She leads the development of the homeschool program for Guidepost Montessori. So through this work, she supports families around the world who want to bring Montessori's plan of education as an aid to life into their homes. So cool. So in addition to teaching in the Montessori classrooms from 2014 to 2021 and co-founding a virtual tutoring program, she's also served as the administrative director and as elementary course assistant at the Montessori Institute of Atlanta. So she is an AMI-trained elementary educator, and we had just so much fun talking about our weirdly parallel lives, (laughs) we also touched on all things homeschooling, talking about kind of, I was breaking down my misconceptions of what I kind of thought about homeschooling. And then we get into the, you know, the COVID pandemic, how that really turned the tables on homeschooling because we were all suddenly in the homeschooling boat. And then also we talk about the accessibility that homeschooling has really given to families all over the world. So I really hope you enjoy If you want to get in touch with Chelsea, I have put her information below in the show notes so she can help you if you are interested in considering homeschooling or just have any additional questions. She would love to answer them. So without further ado, here's my interview with Chelsea. I'm so excited today. I have a really exciting guest. I have Chelsea Roberts with me. She is the lead of Homeschool Development Uh, for Guidepost Montessori. And we are going to talk all things Montessori, of course, but all things homeschooling in regards to Montessori. So Chelsea, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here.
1: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here in this slightly unconventional way. (laughs)
0: I know, right? I know. um, After COVID, I feel like we're all used to this kind of stuff, right? It's so funny how the world changed. Um, So anyway, I, you know, I, I asked this of all of my guests on all things Montessori, but I would love for you to tell us your Montessori story, how you got into the Montessori space.
1: So I think maybe there are like two main ways people get into Montessori. Mine does not come from children in Montessori. Mine comes from uh, like first career turned second career. So, uh, out of college, I went into uh, technical writing for a software company, which, you know, at a small software company ends up turning into all kinds of things. So, I started to make my way into project management, climbing the corporate ladder. Uh, and eventually, I kind of just became disenfranchised with all of that. Uh, And I took a yoga teacher training, where I met a couple of other women who were actually teaching in Montessori schools, I was living in Louisiana at the time. Um, And after I guess I kind of got the bug, I visited their classrooms, (laughs) I observed, I read EM Standings biography. And it just like hit me, I just realized, this is a way that I can continue to learn and explore the world in parallel with other people who were doing the same thing. Um, I went in so blindly, so ignorantly, I signed up for AMI training. I started my elementary training, uh, like very shortly thereafter. Mm. Uh, and it was kind of like history after that. Uh, I only looking back, do I realize like, wow, there was something in me that knew that I should have been an elementary teacher rather than a primary teacher or, you know, an A to I trained teacher. I don't know what it was. It worked out really well. And then after working in elementary classrooms for several years, you know, COVID totally changed the trajectory of my career. And Now I'm working at Guidepost Montessori, not as a teacher, but in the kind of central team that sometimes supports teachers, sometimes supports our schools, but most often I'm supporting parents who are homeschooling and, you know, I never would have imagined this is where I would have been if you had asked me three years ago, but here I am.
0: I love that Montessori does that to us. Um, Okay, a few things. I also worked as a technical writer. So hilarious. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I did that right out right out of college. (laughs) Also, I also went into my Montessori training pretty blind. And I decided like in a weekend, I was like, I'm gonna do it. And then I just like did it. It was crazy. So I totally feel that like very, very strongly. And it works out, right? Like you just, I don't know about you. I just had this gut feeling. I was like, that's what I'm going to do. And it was the same with elementary. I was like, well, I've only worked with like primary age kids, but I don't want to do that. I want to do elementary. So yeah, it turns
1: out I'm, you know, really chatty and still laugh at potty humor sometimes. And, you know, can keep a sense of humor with elementary age children, but still have kind of the brass tacks conversations with them. So, yeah. Thank you. Intuition. Well,
0: it's like it's sort of like a personality test. I think sometimes like, are you a primary? Are you an A to I? Are you an elementary? Are you an adolescent? Like, I think it's funny um, because it really comes down to that, too. I mean, I, I try to imagine myself in a primary classroom and it's just funny to me because I would have to be so restrained, you know, um, yes. Anyway, so you transitioned out of the classroom. What did that look like? Was it a COVID thing? Was it did this position kind of come up? Like, tell me about that.
1: Oh, it was heartbreaking. Um, I, yeah, after after COVID kind of descended in the spring of 2020, uh, the small private school that I was working for, decided to just close down that summer. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, teachers were displaced, families were displaced. It was, you know, a decision that the family made, you know, they thought that was the best decision at the time for them. Uh, And it was just kind of heartbreaking. So that is heartbreaking.
0: um,
1: Yeah. So I ended up, uh, you know, kind of figuring out what I could do to Continue relationships with my families and you know, keep a community together if at all possible. And I did a version of like hybrid virtual school with uh, a handful of the children, uh, kind of in tandem with my colleague who started her own little micro school elementary program. and that was really, really great for a year. It's actually how I ended up uh, kind of in the guidepost world because I was able to use some of their digital learning tools to connect more easily with my kids. Um, And, you know, it's such a small world, so it's all connected.
0: It is all connected. I also ran a virtual school during COVID. So like, sorry, the parallels are just like, I'm, I'm like freaking out over here. Um, That is so heartbreaking about your school. And I feel like that happened so that happened so much over the pandemic. And I love that you're using the word displaced because that's exactly what it felt like. Um, And I'm so glad that you could kind of help keep that community. And what a cool transition into homeschooling when we were forced to be homeschooling, you know, with no warning for a couple of years. So you already kind of had that knowledge and um, just, wow, what an interesting journey. You know? it
1: really blew everything up that we thought had to happen in order to have productive, happy elementary children. Yeah. Um I think it also gave our parents a deeper understanding of how children were spending their days at school, you know, for better or for worse. Mhm. Um You know, parents never had a greater appreciation or insight into the Montessori process, you know, because in the schools that I've worked at, we, you know, we held parents at a distance in order to give children the space to grow and develop in their environment. Um, But it turns out, you know, that, and as a result, I'll say that, my relationship with parents as agents in their child's education has also drastically changed since, since COVID, uh, because wow. Yeah. I'm working with parents who are now responsible for their children's educational experience. And Mm -hmm. that has really healed me and my relationship to parents in so many ways after, you know, form coming formerly from a situation where some it could be adversarial sometimes where there wasn't a clear idea of how that responsibility was shared or what we expected of each other, you know, just kind of par for the course. Totally.
0: Totally. Yeah. That's a really interesting kind of avenue to go down of homeschooling. You know, I think, I think there's a lot of misconceptions with homeschooling. I'm just going to start, start right there. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not from a homeschooling background. I don't know. Are you from a homeschooling background? No, Okay. not at all. Yeah. And so you sort of hear about it. And it wasn't until I met one of my really good friends in training who was homeschooled. And I I really talked to her about it because I think it can have a really negative connotation. um, And I think it's a really brave decision for parents to do when you think of all the work that goes into it um, and making that clear kind of um, home and school environment. So do parents come to you already homeschooling or are they interested in homeschooling or is it kind of
1: a mixture of both? It's definitely a mixture of both. And just like, you know, our stories are, I mean, your and my story is very similar, but all of the ways <laughs> that people come to Montessori, their stories are so particular. That's absolutely true for the families as well. Uh it's been really For the things that homeschooling families have in common, which really is only that they want to homeschool, every other particularity is different. And that Mm. means that we've got families taking six months to travel the world and they want to figure out how to continue to give key lessons while at the same time, you know, diving deeply into these different communities around the world. We've got families who live in really rural environments and who are nowhere near a private school are nowhere near even other people and they still want an educational model that gives their children the ability to, uh, you know, think creatively and uh, critically and kind of like fulfill their purpose in life. Just like you name it, it's out there happening in a family right now.
0: Yeah, definitely. What are some of the concerns that parents kind of, I'm just thinking of what my concern would be, would be like the social aspect or like the community aspect of being in a school? Like, how would you sort of talk to a parent about that? Or or are they, do they come to you with that concern? hundred percent, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, what's, and what's interesting is I think the way that we teachers think of the importance or impact of socialization in a classroom environment, the parents haven't even gotten that far. Like you and I, and anyone listening who's been in a Montessori elementary classroom we know what it looks like for one child to do a follow-up that catches fire. And all of a sudden every six-year-old wants to do that follow-up. Like we know the impact of children seeing other children doing incredible work. Uh, parents starting this journey, they don't even know what they're missing there Mm -hmm. yet. Mm -hmm. Um, which I think is okay. I don't, I don't have a magic wand to wave over, you know, Montessori homeschool to make that appear. Um, But what I do talk to parents about related to socialization is based in, you know, what we know about child development, which is like socialization in the second plane doesn't have to look just like children working with similar age peers. It can also look like any way in which second plane children can can in integrate into a practice society? So, team sports, team activities. Right. I talked with a mother whose child is re- recently very interested in crocheting, and so he's joining a, you know, class at the craft stu- at the craft studio. The chances of another ten-year-old being at Joanne Fabrics on an, on a Wednesday morning, zero <laughs> percent. But like that is socialization. Absolutely. Um, you know, to the extent that these parents are able and willing to build systems to allow their children to go out. I mean, the world is their literal oyster when homeschooling is the plan, right? Chauffeur built in, you don't need a permission slip, like just go. (laughs) You're ready to go. Exactly. Yeah. That's where I see opportunity. And that's where I see imagination allowing for socialization. Parents tend to already have the drive to get their children engaged with same age peers. I really want to help them take it to the next level.
0: I love that. And I I think that's such a great sort of way to frame it in that there are, of course, there are things that, you know, children are going to miss out on because they're not in a classroom, obviously. But at the same time, there are really cool things that are going to come up with exactly the going out. That's a perfect example. And I mean, traveling the world, I mean, what better socialization is that? I don't know. Um, So that's, that's really fascinating to me. Um, I I still have this, like, I think it's, you know, when we, when we have blocks of like an opinion Mm -hmm. and I, I have this opinion of homeschooling which is really outdated. And really like, since I was like eight years old, that probably someone told me. And it's just that homeschooled kids just weren't going to learn the same way or like weren't, you know, they were going to do things. It was always like super different than what I was doing, right? Or that's what somebody told me or or that kind of thing. Um, and I, I do think that's changed after COVID because we were all at home anyway. And now, I don't know, I... I I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think COVID, although it was horrible and it's still kind of going on and it changed our world forever, I do think it opened the, I I think it opened people's minds a little bit more to that.
1: I agree. And what I've been reflecting on and what I reflect on out loud with parents is that the misconceptions that maybe have Pre existed or that we came into uh, stereotypes about Montessori homeschooling stem, I think, from two places. One would be just the absolute lack of representation. You know, there are not really yes. books or pictures or videos of what Montessori homeschooling, especially at the elementary stage, looks like. That leaves folks who are doing Montessori in schools like unaware and left to our own devices. But I think probably more importantly, it leaves people who want to go down that path with unrealistic expectations about what they should be trying to do at home. And so if they're looking at videos of a class of 30 working children, and then looking in their living room and trying to figure out why the stamp game is on the floor and why their child (laughs) would rather play video games, like, it's not right. a fair expectation of a home practice. Yes, yes. Um, and I'll say that I think that the second place uh, that this comes from, and I won't, I won't suggest that everyone has this, but I'll say that I've seen it in myself that there's something about being in this monastery world where there's almost been like a false dichotomy that we've ad- adopted. Either this is Montessori and this is not Montessori,
0: and you mm-hmm. see it playing
1: out in so many places, right? You see it playing yes. out in the training wars, in private school versus private school, in what is you know public Montessori school adaptation. Mm-hmm. I think that that gatekeeping does not really benefit our children, and that there's something more adult centric in why we're trying to do that. Um, and the reality is that there are more families who want to give their children access to this way of learning. And for all the reasons will never have access to the private school or the public Montessori or even the Montessori ish, whatever you want to call that. Right. And I just say more power to them. Like I have seen children do incredible things around the world. And I can't imagine, you know, being the gatekeeper, Preventing mm. them from doing that i it gives me chills just thinking about the beautiful things I've seen these children do.
0: I love that you brought that up. Um, the accessibility of Montessori, which I think is hmm I don't know how to phrase it i I think it's problematic, mm-hmm. as you're saying, because a lot of people cannot afford the elite Montessori that Um, And, you know, I, I've worked at private schools where they'll have scholarships and things like that, but still at this, at the same time, it's, it's a great effort. And I think it's, I think it's still good, but I, I don't think it fixes everything. Of course not. Um, Because I'm a public school girl. I didn't go to Montessori. So I, I had a great education and I fell in love with Montessori. But the one thing that I always had a really hard time with was that I was going to have to teach at a private school. I was just like, I can't believe I'm going to do that. I Because it was so against how I just like had grown up. I went to a public college. Like it was just the way that I was. And actually working at private schools opened my eyes to like, they're not the devil. They're not demonic, right? Like it's, you know, it's just a different thing. Again, breaking breaking the opinions in my own mind. Um, but I love what you're saying about that accessibility with homeschooling. I I have to be honest. I didn't even really think about that. And I love that because... Yeah it's that's sort of why I wanted to start this podcast in the beginning, because I wanted everybody to have a free space to listen to Montessori. I don't care what kind of teacher you are. I don't care what kind of parent you are. Like, maybe you'll learn something about this cool um, ideology. And yes, maybe you can't afford to sp- send your kid to a $30,000 tuition based private school, or the public school has a lottery system and you didn't get in whatever the case. But I I do agree with you that like any kind of Montessori, no matter what, is something and it's beautiful. And I also think that um, this kind of the work that you're doing can break those uh, misconceptions about Montessori, that it's only for a certain type of person or a certain type of bracket of money, or that you have to have all these really expensive materials or you can't do it. Because I think so many people feel like that about Montessori rightfully so. There's a lot of stuff on the internet that's really confusing and sort of makes it seem like if you're going to do Montessori, you have to have, you know, all that stuff. So anyway, I'm getting a little fired up, but I think that is so incredible that children can have access to that without, um, you know, because they're children and they deserve it, you know? Yeah.
1: It's been a really humbling experience and, and it, I have to continue to do what you're saying, which is break the autopilot that I've been on that has served me very well. Like before you can kind of break it, you have to understand it, right? It's like Mm -hmm. grammar, you know, like dive into, let's do some technical writing talk right now. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) dive into why the rules are the way they are. And, but then don't stop there. Like, let's decide what must stay and what we can experiment with and change. Like these parents are already motivated to enter into a space with little to no training. Uh, But there is something they all agree on, right? It's something central to Maria Montessori's pedagogy, which is about education for life. That's what these people want for their children. What are all the potential entry points into that that don't follow the main linear entry point, which thankfully got us to where we are now allows us to, you know, hopefully experiment. I think what's incredible, too, is that at the same time, we've got people like um, Angeline Lillard doing all of this incredible research that will illuminate these. Components of a truly impactful Montessori experience that will further allow us to shed what is less you know potent or necessary and what is more potent or necessary, mm-hmm. that allows us to expand programs in all kinds of areas in ways that you know her research is showing this actually matters. you know, how are we going to do what actually matters?
0: Definitely, so shifting a little bit, your training is elementary, but do you work specifically just with elementary parents, or do you do primary? Like, what's your what's oh, your demographic there?
1: <laughs> so grateful for my foundation training course. <laughs> <laughs> of course. yes, wise primary trained colleagues and my wise yes. A to i trained colleagues. I. Will always be able to talk with elementary parents more in with more nuance than I ever will be able to talk to parents of younger children. And so, uh, I tend to, you know, rely on what I know is true about young children and the value of practical life and the value of preliminary exercises. And, of course, to tie it back to what you were asking about earlier, like socialization for younger children is bring your child into society, you know, like bring your absorbent minded child to all the things and all the places that is socialization for a younger child. Mm -hmm. So I, I try my best and I really appreciate being able to bring in really knowledgeable colleagues into those conversations. Yes. Yes. But what I think is so cool about the younger, uh, the families who have younger children is that right Maria Montessori started the casa the house right Mm -hmm. like she brought children into a home-like environment that's what started the whole thing Mm -hmm. and so I've started to think about you know homeschooling I'm putting this in quotes because it's really like a term that we reserve for older children but whatever homeschooling at the early years is like, I'm starting to think about it more like a homecoming, you know, like, what does it mean for parents to bring their children back into the home in a really meaningful and intentional way? Yeah, like, it looks like parents setting up prepared environments for their children to participate in at home. You know, this is what we would beg our parents to do for young children or even young Mm -hmm. elementary children. We would beg them for these prepared environments. And what are these parents doing? They're doing it. They're bringing it back home. Yeah.
0: I love that. And Montessori is, I mean, it goes without saying, it's made to be in the home. And elementary is a little bit different because, you know, you're exploring the world. But in primary, the world is the casa. Like that is like, that is so important uh, for them to have that safe, stable, beautiful environment. Um, And I love that parents are energized and excited to do that. Um, And again, you don't have to, it's not, you don't have to be a millionaire to do it. It's very simple, very simple things. So on that note, what would you tell a primary, what are some like quick things you you would tell a primary uh, homeschooling parent to sort of get started? With their home prepared environment.
1: Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, I think it, you know, it's always rooted in observation, and that can actually be a pretty phenomenal place to start for a parent who is, you know, up to this point using their observation in order to keep their child alive at these early years, right? Sure. Um, but when you start to look at uh your children through a different lens. It also forces parents to look at themselves and their role through a different lens. So there are like a couple of things that are happening differently there in order for even a change in the environment to take place. I think this is true of parents of young children and parents of elementary children. Mm-hmm. The idea that they need to see what they are doing for their children that they do not necessarily need to do for their children or where a change in the environment would support the child in doing it independently is a great place to start. Um, this and, and, and we start really, really small, I mean, mm-hmm. and really still attuned to the child. So in particular at the early years, the easiest entry point is whatever your child is interested in already, or kind of always trying to be involved in if it's food preparation, if it's, you know, if there's like a lot of toileting and bathroom, you know, action happening, we'll start there. If it's, you know, your child always wanting to carry around the giant broom, you know, (laughs) let's start there. Right. So it really has to start uh, at a place where not only the child is interested, but where a parent is motivated to, uh, offer, offer tools for independence to their children. And I think that's a sweet spot because they're able to see almost immediately kind of the vision of independence growing in their own children in real time. I think that's Mm. the ticket really. Mm -hmm.
0: Oh, and it really just, sort of comes down to you're right observing your child and seeing what they're interested in that's like the just the beginning and it but it can take you so far and it it's something you never want to stop doing
1: you I was know gonna say you can never stop it's like you know <laughs> the art you know the art and the science of Montessori right we've got we've got the science in the books you know yeah. we review these albums all the time we like want to stick to it and then it's what really happens, you know, when we've got children in front of us, that's the art of it all.
0: I know. Um, I would assume that elementary is a little bit more involved. I mean, I know that Guidepost has sort of a, Guidepost has a curriculum. I don't, I hate that word, but you know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) um, can you talk a little bit about Guidepost materials that, um, if, if there are any parents that are sort of interested in homeschooling, like what that entails, like a little overview?
1: So I'll share a made-up statistic first. Okay, good. Uh, Someone shared this with me and I thought, it so perfectly captures what's actually happening when parents put on or take on the role of guide in their child's life. Uh, You know, 70%, this is made up, 70% of homeschooling is uh, relearning yourself as an adult and, uh, unlearning what your educational experience was. And so when, okay, this was true for me in my Montessori, uh, experience too. Me too. A teacher I worked with said, this is brutal, but, uh, you know, the training the training's purpose is to break you down and build you back up again. So true. It was like war. Break break me down, it did. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Okay, but when you look back, you also see, oh, I had to shed a lot of preconceived notions about what I thought I would be doing or what I thought I should be doing in order to arrive at this place where I could be you know an effective guide in a child's life and parents have that built into their just experience in parenting and then of course on another level are now sorting through their own educational experiences while attempting to create an educational experience for their child that is a long non-answer to your question, which is like, what is the curriculum all about? But the curriculum does for what it does for these families, what it did for us, right? Like it allows parents to have the script, have a video to present these key lessons to their children directly or indirectly and supports them to lead follow-up work and repetition with variation directly or indirectly. And in that process, you know, these children are not only taking the keys and unlocking the doors like the children in our former classrooms, but these parents are also kind of like being transformed along the way.
0: Oh, that's so amazing. I mean, you, you totally answered it the way that I totally understand because training is a complete transformation. I became a different person. I mean, I'm the, you know what I mean? I'm the same, but I I emerged from training with an entirely new perspective. And I was humbled greatly because through training, I realized that I just didn't ever learn math correctly because of my anxiety, because of, I was rushed through school. I mean, I learned so many things and so then when I was in the classroom and I had a student struggling with math, feeling anxious, I was able to be like, I have been there and I could approach that child in a totally different way rather than ushering them along and, you know, and not not catering to that, you know?
1: Yeah. I didn't memorize my, you know, multiplication tables till I was 30. And it's only because I gave so many <laughs> checkerboard lessons. Like, oh, God, I know it. I'm fine. Everything has been fine. Yeah. And your child will be fine too. You know. Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> no, it's true. It's so true. Like I remember one of the first days of training, um, we were talking about, oh no, it was in foundations and we were talking about long division <laughs> and I was like, whoa. And then, um, my trainer, Jennifer Shields, the primary, I love her so much. She was like, does somebody want to come up and do this long division problem on the board? I was like, who is going to go up there and do that? And my friend, Judy, who is an amazing, she's so smart with math, like, oh my goodness, she went up there and did it. And I remember just being like, oh, yeah, I remember that. What wild, right? DMSB. Yeah, right. I mean, just fascinating. So I Are parents, do they get it when you say that? Or is it sort of like an experience that they go through? Have you seen that? Have you seen that in your parents that you work with? Have you seen them, you know, take that jump?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I see it in a number of ways. Um, The folks who are willing to do a little bit of the trust fall, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Parents, rightly so. And because of the way that homeschool has been portrayed, otherwise, often come in with wanting a plan. You know, day to day, week to week. What does a second grader need to know? Yeah, uh, I don't have that for them. Right. Um, okay. Yep. I heard, I heard in a session that I was in, not Montessori related, just kind of a general homeschooling session. Uh, anything worth taking the time. Uh, oh, anything worth learning is worth taking the time to learn. And I thought, yeah, that's amazing. And the reason why a parent's best laid plans will go absolutely out the door is what I share with them. It's like the Montessori twist. Anything worth learning is worth taking the time to let your child practice Mm, Like, mm -hmm. it's not that you're not a great planner. It's not that you don't have a great vision. It's not that you haven't poured over the curriculum and decided, you know, this is a great place to start in math. Okay, I want to give the next great lesson next week. It's not that it's that you're working in a dynamic relationship with another person or, you know, several young people, you know, in the home, and that is worthy of respect and collaboration. You know, elementary children are, you know, it turns out they're just as motivated, you know, by collaborating with their parents or their caregivers as they are, you know, collaborating with guides in a classroom. And so
0: that's awesome.
1: It feels really good for me in many cases to be the voice of the child in many of my conversations to say, like, sure. You will benefit by asking your child's opinion. You will benefit by asking, you know, how your child wants to set up a day or a schedule or what they think they're ready for. You know, you don't have to do all of that work. You've got this incredible person sitting right in front of you.
0: Right. Who's more than capable. Yeah. I mean, it just takes an immense amount of patience because quite rarely, maybe never, is a child going to learn what you're teaching them in the lesson. The learning comes later. Like, you know, I, I mean, if you think about it, if someone's, it's sort of, I always think about it this way. It's like when someone's explaining a board game to you and you're just like, what? And then like, you're not going to get it until you've maybe played it once or twice. Yeah, it's like practice this, round. Exactly. Cause it's like, I, and I love my husband. He is like such a gamer. And so he'll like, he'll go in and I'm always like, I just, I just got to do it. I just got to, I just got to figure it out because Just let me
1: play let me yes, ask all the questions don't exactly. keep score yeah yes
0: so i always <laughs> think about it that way but wow that willingness is so beautiful and what a great relationship that they're developing with their child or children um, that's pretty special
1: truly this is the other piece of it like they do the trust fall and then they see the payoff i think in exactly what you're talking about they see the payoff in a really uh strong relationship with their children they see the payoff when they're not trying to be the leaders or trying to be the teachers but they're listening to their children make connections that they hadn't even realized uh Mm, you know mm -hmm. they had set the foundation for that's the Montessori magic right that we always look for anyway um you know I remember hearing in my training about Uh, This idea that you would take children on a going out, and that there would be people who would see these children out in the world and they'd be so impressed by them, you know, like, (laughs) oh, what school do they go to? What's going on over there with that group of children? And I think that that ends up playing out in these homeschoolers, communities, you know, smaller communities, or like Mm -hmm. in society at large, too. Like, why? Why are your children bringing 90 hand-painted holiday cards to the (laughs) nursing home, right? Like this is one of my families. They go to this art class every week. They've adopted incredible watercolor techniques and they hand-painted 90 cards, brought them to this nursing home. Like, if that's, that's not an endorsement, if that, as a parent doesn't just make you feel <laughs> enormously proud of your children, I don't know what will because
0: that's amazing. You know, I'm
1: unrelated to this family, and I still just get shivers when I think about them. That's incredible. And that's the beauty of it, right? Like
0: that's that. but but with with that beautiful thing that they did, is the foundation, which is what we're talking about. It's the patience. It's the following the children's interest when they wanted to go take that watercolor class. It's trusting your instincts and trusting your child. And then you kind of, you get to that part. Like, it's not like, okay, I'm going to do Montessori and then that's going to happen. There's so many steps along the way. Um, And it all comes down to what we were talking about before, observation and paying attention to what your child's interested in. And then the rest kind of unfolds in a really beautiful way. Uh, with I'm not saying it doesn't have challenges. That's not what I'm saying. But
1: <laughs> it's that there's a reason to work through the challenges. <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Well, this was great. I'm trying to think of anything else. But I feel like we covered so much. This was such an amazing conversation.
1: Yeah, I give a uh, like, it's like a web session every Tuesday and it's really a lot of nuts and bolts about homeschooling just because that's generally what parents are interested in. And I, at this point, I could recite the script that yeah, that I wrote at this point. Of course. I gave the session actually earlier today and I was reflecting on how I still feel so genuinely excited to share, you know, this vision. I'm still actually motivated to start where parents are, work this into families' lives. Like it's infinitely fascinating to me to see the way that families grow and change and how Montessori, you know, can support that growth and change. Like it's, I think when we look at like our shared goals and our shared vision, you know, the there's room for homeschooling parents because they are too out in the world, you know, talking about Montessori, of course they're doing it at home and they're, uh, their practice grows and matures, just like our practice grew and matured. Right. Uh, you know, like what, what's better than to have more people kind of keeping this Montessori vision alive, you know,
0: in a really unique way in a
1: really wide reaching way. And they're going to reach in a people- re- Yeah. And in a really progressive way. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So,
0: so cool. Um, well, yeah. So, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, I don't know if you want to drop your information. I can also put it in the show notes. Um, but if someone were interested, do they have to be a part of Guidepost to contact
1: you? Or? No, I'll I'll share my info. It'll be easier in text. And Great. Yeah, I encourage anyone who wants to reach out and ask questions and explore. I'm happy to share a lot of resources, kind of at the outset, and of course, happy to chat with people who are we're headed in that direction anyway, or who, you know, if I've planted a seed in your mind about what's possible at home with your elementary children, reach out. Cool. Awesome. Well, Chelsea, thanks so yeah. much for being here. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much.